You're listening to Beyond the Chart, where we go off the record with Baton Rouge General's medical elite. I'm your host, Brogan Taj. Let's get charting. Welcome to our very first episode of Beyond the Chart. This is Brogan, and I'm excited to be here with Dr. Stephen Briere, the chairman of critical care here at Baton Rouge General. So Dr. Briere was tasked with running our hospital's ICU and COVID units back in March of 2020 and has pretty much been saving lives every day for an entire year since then. So that's what we've brought him here today to talk about, working through the pandemic for a year. Welcome, Dr. Briere. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Brogan. All right. So why don't we just start off and you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, maybe like what was it like? pre-pandemic, what was your day-to-day like then? Uh, day-to-day, we practiced pulmonary and critical care. Uh, the ICUs were busy, but you know, obviously not as busy as they are now. Uh, and, and we had just completed multiple projects in the ICU working on optimizing patient care delivery and assuring that best care practices were done and we were kind of excited about where we were in the ICUs at that moment. Okay. All right. So tell me a little bit more about yourself. Just what's your background? What brought you to uh, be a pulmonologist? I'm a a pulmonary critical care physician uh, with LSU. I practice with nine other pulmonary critical care physicians within our LSU practice. I uh, chose pulmonary critical care for a couple of reasons. Uh, I, I was drawn to taking care of people who were critically ill. I wanted to, I wanted to be a part of that. Um, I also enjoy the application of physiology and figuring out uh, what's going on with patients. I've, I've, I've never second guessed the thought to be a pulmonary critical care doc, and I'm. Kind of happy I didn't yeah. choose this field. Has it like this past year? Has that reinforced that even more? Uh, I, I I will say that you know we're always cognizant of you know the the burden and traumas placed in our patients and our patient families and everything. But you know we 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 sit down often as a group of physicians and with the nurses. Uh, in the evenings and, and we decompress from our days and, and I can honestly say every one of my partners and myself are, are um, very happy that we chose to do what we did. All right. So let's just take it back to, I guess it's a year ago, we had our first case of COVID in Louisiana and then March 17th, we had the first case here at Baton Rouge General. So what were you doing to prepare for that? So, uh, for, for us in the Baton Rouge community, uh, we had a little bit of a warning about what might happen. Um, obviously... How, like uh, how far before March? Uh, we probably had a good six weeks before March with the European experience. Mm-hmm. And then you had an outbreak in Seattle that preceded us, and I can't remember exactly, yeah. it was probably about four weeks and then New Orleans had a little surge about mm-hmm. two weeks before us. Uh, I have colleagues both in Seattle and New Orleans that I was communicating with. Uh, and, and so we had, I want to say we had an idea. We, I, I guess we didn't have <laughs> not a true idea, but we knew something was fixing to happen and we needed to prepare for it. And, and so uh, 
so it, it, it didn't catch us completely off guard, although the magnitude of, of the first surge was certainly greater than we had expected. Did you still think we'd be here a year later? Well, I, I was so wrong on that, Brogan. Yeah, <laughs> I did not think we were going to be here uh, a year later. I, I knew we had a few surges to mm-hmm. go through, uh, but but with with each surge, as we came down, I was kind of lulled into okay. Hopefully, that was the last of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, how how's treatments kind of changed? How were you treating people a year ago? Like, what did you wish you knew now that you had known then? Sure. Um, so one one of the one of the big things uh, when the outbreak first occurred, and this was based on the experience from Europe and Seattle, mm-hmm. was that if a, if a patient required a certain amount of oxygen when they came uh, with coronavirus, to immediately intubate them and place them on a ventilator, a mechanical breathing mm-hmm. machine. Uh, and, and so we had developed protocols for this where the ER would call us and, and, and two of us would go down to the ER and we'd immediately intubate people. Uh, contrast that to today where we do everything we can not to intubate the patient. That's and and, uh, and And we've learned a lot of things about the use of other ways to support oxygen in, in life without a ventilator uh, that, that have been beneficial for quite a few uh, patients. Uh, but regarding therapies, and, and, and this is certainly not a, a criticism of, of our scientific community uh, or, or anything, you know, we had the whole use hydroxychloroquine, you mm-hmm. know, plaquenil. That was a big, that's still, I feel like that's still a big topic. I, I, still, I don't know why. This, this has been answered. It is not useful in this disease. But, 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 you know, I can recall being in the ICU rounding, you know, looking at, we probably had about 30 COVID patients in the ICU, talking to our pharmacist, who I have to thank, who's done a fantastic job, Jennifer, uh, in the ICUs, talking to her about, all right, how much Plaquenil do we have? Do we need to prioritize who we're giving this to? And spent a lot of time trying to figure out a protocol on mm-hmm. how to use a drug, which ultimately got So that was, a, that was early on, right? That like, was very early on. Yeah. And that's not a drug we use anymore. You know, you then had, you had questionable data about remdesivir, mm-hmm. uh, an, an antiviral drug. Uh, one, one that uh, for, for most of our group, none of us, most of us were not impressed with the data uh, regarding it, but, but there was a push mm-hmm. from public perception to give it to everyone. And, yeah. and so we wrote protocols. I felt like you saw online that it was both of those at some point were like a miracle drug and it was going to cure you immediately. And obviously, we found out that's not true. That is not true. And, and, and you know, you know, Fast forward to the day where remdesivir is not really used in the ICU units reserved for a different population who may benefit from it there. Um, initially, we, we were told by, by multiple organizations that, that, that steroids, with anti-inflammatories, would not have a role mm-hmm. uh, in the setting of coronavirus. Well, you flash forward to today, 
or that has become standard of care for someone who's critically ill. So that's all uh, kind of the standard now. Uh, we, we, we had initial data which, which told us that an anti-inflammatory medicine, Actemra, uh, might be useful. And then we got a trial that told us it wouldn't be useful. And then we got a larger study which told us it was useful. And, wow. and so now Actemra in a certain population uh, is is being utilized as the best care practice. And and so when you look at the past year, we've changed mm-hmm. so many things. Um, well, let me ask you this. On our blogs, on our website, we, you know, we run our blog and stuff, our biggest one from the past year was about tonic water. People at one point were like, if you drink tonic water and something else, like that's going to prevent you from getting COVID. Sure. So uh, <laughs> we, 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 we've had t- tonic water. Pick your vitamin C, yeah. D, B. Yep. Pick whichever one it is. Uh, we, we, we've had things about certain asthma therapies, like inhaled steroids, and 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 I get all of that. I understand People the, the desire to have this magic bullet to to treat this disease which you know honestly creates a lot of fear in people mm-hmm. and 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 I get all that and that it's not based in science and and if you look just at the at the drugs I've talked about which mm-hmm. were you know had great basic science supporting their potential roles in this disease and proven not to be effective mm-hmm. That, that we keep grasping for these things when the therapy of coronavirus, even for the critically ill, uh, although there are nuances, is somewhat simple. Support oxygenation as best you can and hopefully without invasive mechanical ventilation. Mm-hmm. Steroids, actemer for a certain few people, prone positioning, uh, which we've gotten very good at at, at, at this hospital. Uh, and, and best supportive care, mm-hmm. and and that's what it takes, and 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 it just takes diligence to these simple yeah. things, uh, and and you can improve your patient's outcome. Well, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you keep talking about we, so let's you know talk about the staff. Where where were y'all a year ago? Where are you now? How is everybody doing? Yeah. So. Uh, so, so from from your physicians uh, in in critical care, uh, everybody's been fantastic. Um, you know, we, the current volume of ICU patients at Baton Rouge General ha- has been averaging about one hundred and fifty percent of what it usually runs. We we mm-hmm. still have too many patients to occupy the usual critical care sections and have overflowed into other sections of the hospital. That, that, that has led to us requiring twice as many critical care docs here on any given day mm-hmm. uh, and, and also extra physicians on call uh, at night because things are. Um, my, my, my group has been fantastic. Uh, every time people have canceled vacations to cover a yeah. week and, and, and everything, everybody just stepped up and said, uh, I'll do whatever I need to do. That's great because I'm sure people are tired. Uh, they're, they're, they're tired, but but they don't complain and they just do their job. 
uh, and every time I ask for help, uh, they're willing to do it. So I, I gotta tell you, it's been rewarding, and and uh, I always knew I had I worked with a great group of doctors, but but damn, did yeah. they step up? Do y'all do yeah. anything to like try to keep spirits like high? So. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we do. We have little, uh, let's call them decompression sen- uh, sessions in the office uh, a couple of evenings a week. That's good. Uh, and and so, uh, so that's been good for yeah. camaraderie and everything. That is good to hear. Uh, the, the, the nurses, the, the, the nurses have been outstanding. Uh, I, I mean, we... You know, you, you double your volume of patients, you have to double your volume of nurses, mm-hmm. and, and there were nursing shortages everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, we, we've overcome that by one, uh, our nurses stepping up and doing a lot, a lot of overtime, and, and damn, have they stepped up, right? And, um, they, they, they've been working very hard, uh, very diligently, uh, and, and it's been impressive to see what they've done. That's great. Um, Watching them has also uh, been been heartwarming because many of them have developed relationships with patients and families that have carried on even to today. Oh, really? And, and so many of our nurses are still texting when when I see patients in my clinic who have survived coronavirus yeah. as a follow up. You know, they're always asking. You know. How's Emily doing? How's yeah. Becca doing? How's Jordan because doing? For, How's Sam doing? Because for a while. Uh, their family, you y'all were their families. That was why, it. Why they were here? Visitation was limited, and yeah. so whenever I see them in, see a patient in clinic, I always try and walk back to the ICU after I see them so that they can visit and yeah. everything oh, in a different way. Yeah, the uh, it, it, it takes more than just nurses. I mean, the respiratory therapists mm-hmm. uh, have been working harder. Uh, also, and you know that's required them to do more and more shifts, and 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 a coronavirus patient is, is uh, more challenging than what we usually see in the ICU for them. Yeah. Uh, so they have been fantastic. The PCAs have been fantastic with managing crowds in the ICU, making sure we have all our personal protective equipment. Yeah. EDS has been great. Uh, I, I mean, we, we've gotten so much help. The administration has helped us providing meals at times. Yeah. You know, when when the nurses are being being pushed a little hard, you know, you know, they've helped us both in financial reward to the nurses, mm-hmm. uh, and also now we're dealing with some of the PTSD. Uh, associated. Tell me a little bit more about that. So, uh, well, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and often, you know, you're, you know, these patients can be here for months. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's months, you're on a first-name basis with the family. You've gotten to meet them a few times because we do allow some visitation and everything. And, and you know, sometimes the patient doesn't survive despite those months of care. And, and, and that can just wear on your soul. Absolutely. Um, and, and so... So the you know PTSD has been well described in the healthcare providers uh, dealing with coronavirus, and so we've tried to make sure with, with the help of the administration that we have resources available. Uh, you know, waiving copays. You know, who do you want to talk to? Do you want to talk to someone in the organization, someone outside of the organization? What's 
what's best for you as an individual. Because this is something um, that could like have a long, like lasting effects. Like we're not, not going to see this go away. Like the PTSD part. Well, it, it's having lasting effects even in seeing changes within people. You know, we've always had very good relationships with, with the nurses and the respiratory therapists. But mm-hmm. uh, I can say just from my own personal view, I, I can see a difference in certain nurses. Um, and, and it's not a bad difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but you can also see, you know, when, when, when things aren't going right for a patient, that it's beginning to wear on them. And, and, uh, and they've leaned on each other, and we've tried to be there for them, and to see them leaning on each other, and, and everything has really been heartwarming. It's good to hear. So I guess, what is your biggest takeaway from the past year, like a moment, like a memorable moment that stands out in your mind? I know that's there's probably a lot, or... Uh, yeah, if, if, if you were not going to talk about a individual moment, but, but rather a takeaway from it, uh, my, my takeaway would be don't, don't let fear drive your decisions. There, there, there was lots of fear when this hit, and, and fear made, led some people to abandon science and what they knew were best practices, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, if you look at the beginning of the outbreak, in addition to our concerns regarding caring for patients, you know, there are concerns regarding where we're going to have enough personal protective equipment, yeah. which we did run out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, at the beginning, you, you, you know, you had people scrambling for, like, N95 masks. Yeah. And we were having to hide N95 masks and lock them up. And, and, and that was just fear that led to that. And, and if we just thought with what we knew, this is how the virus is transmitted, this is when you need one and when you don't, mm-hmm. you could have gotten rid of all of that, right? Yeah. Uh, if we, if, you know, we weren't so scared, if we didn't have so much fear, maybe we wouldn't have tried these therapies, which really didn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense, but we were grasping for, for straws. So, so my biggest takeaway is, is, is don't let fear drive decision. It, it'll lead you to a wrong decision. Just, just rise to the challenge. And, and, and when in doubt, think. Yeah. Um, as, far as, as far as moments, uh, there's been a bunch. Because mm-hmm. uh, there have been some great saves. There have been many people that we thought... This isn't gonna go right, and yeah. and they made it, and 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 whenever I get a chance to see them after mm-hmm. they recovered from it, uh, and, and see their appreciation for the staff and everything, it, it's it, it touches you in a way that nothing else does. Um, uh, you know, I saw many families who text me. I'm still getting cards from families who yeah. were here during the first wave. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, those are always just great and kind of re-energizes you for the next wave. Do you think we're going to have another wave? Uh, well, remember, I told you at the beginning I've been wrong every yeah. time. So that's so, all about... So, so why don't I say, yes, we will. Maybe I'll be okay. wrong. So, yeah, what is, yeah. Your, what is your outlook for the, now that we're... 
There is a concern, yeah. So the vaccines are great. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Please get vaccinated, everybody. Absolutely. The vaccines are safe. The the crazy stuff on the internet does it, it's not going to make you sterile. It's not going to yeah. do anything. We're we're able to do this podcast in the same room without masks on because we're both vaccinated. It, it, yes, please. Please get vaccinated. That's how we're going to get through it. And, and I mean, this is amazing. We have a vaccine for a virus nine months mm-hmm. after the virus yeah. started devastating our community. That's unheard of. Uh, so thankful to the scientists who, who brought us the vaccines. This is what's going to get us through it. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, yes, please, please get vaccinated. Uh, but you're going somewhere else. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's, that's where I was going. Like, so now we're vaccinated. Like, what? We're, we're vaccinated. We're getting vaccines. What is the outlook for the future? Like, what do you so, see? What do you personally see happening? So if, if you listen to the, the really good thinkers, the scientists mm-hmm. about coronavirus, and, and, and the ones that are not chicken little, about and and who have been spot on there is the concern that within the next about six weeks we have another little bump uh and that might be related to the uk or the bi variant whatever Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it uh and 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 it also might be related to we're we're fixing to hit spring break Mm -hmm. and when we hit spring break we and I have three daughters who will be going to spring break, yeah. and I'm sure we'll be part of this, despite me yeah. saying it. Uh, you, you know, they're going to transmit virus across each other, mm-hmm. and they're going to come back, and then they're going to visit with mom and dad or grandma and grandfather, and they're going to transmit virus. And yeah. so, so given that we, we are seeing an increased prevalence of the UK variant in the United States, you know, the vaccines will protect us. Against most of that, uh, I, I think we do have one more uh, surge to go through. But do you uh, see least. a light at the end of the tunnel yet? Uh, I, I see a light every day within the tunnel because I, I walk into an ICU yeah. that is highly functioning and that has great healthcare providers in it. So, yeah. That's a good outlook. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we have. That was, you know, a great look back on this past year. Do you have any other stories? Anything else you want to share? I, 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 I just want to make sure everybody has been working so hard knows how grateful I am for everything. Absolutely. Done. Uh, uh, I, I, I want to thank our patients and our patient families also. Uh, they've had to deal with a lot. We, 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 we tried to accommodate things. Um, but 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 everyone from the top down has just been fantastic. Very will be the most rewarding experience of my life, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you don't you only live through one pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's fingers yeah, crossed. Fingers crossed. Let's just have one pandemic. Absolutely. For sure. All Everybody right. Stay smart out there. All right, and get vaccinated. Please. All right. Thanks for going beyond the chart. Follow Baton Rouge General on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for behind the scenes, upcoming episodes, and more. Feel free to subscribe and leave a review.